Iska, my friend, my boy, my long-time confidant. <laughs> we are here to talk about the Overwatch League. You know, Chengdu beat. Chengdu didn't beat. Chengdu took some maps. I do. I do want to just lay that out there. We didn't win. Yeah. We didn't win. Yeah. But you know, I, I wanted to to first uh, get your get your get your looks on on Chengdu. <sighs> What what are we thinking? I know that we have a bet, and this isn't this isn't like me showboating. I'm I'm actually interested in what you think of them. You know, the, I think they've followed a very obvious, at least obvious to me, blueprint of what they were going to do, what they should look like. Yeah. What what would you what do you what do you kind of think about them? Are they are they a little bit more surprising than you would have thought? Um, just general your general take on the team so far. So I think they're expectedly unexpectable um, in the sense that the way they approach Overwatch. Mm. At the same time, I feel like their play occupies a way too big space in people's minds as to what is actually conclusive to winning games in Overwatch. Mm. And somehow playing entertaining Overwatch makes for successful Overwatch. Sure, but I don't sure. think that's that's really true. If we look at their, uh, their season so far, one thing that was certainly surprising was them winning against uh, Guangzhou at the time. Mm. I think that is probably their most surprising game. Um, them winning close to against, against Mayhem sort of puts them where we expect them to be, yep. I guess, sort of. Mm -hmm. uh, then the 4-0s come running in, they lose to Toronto, this is all expected. Also, I don't want to overvalue um, their two points against Vancouver, who I haven't gotten through the entire series yet, but for the most part were almost... So, for instance, Anubis, right? Mm -hmm. How do you throw five minutes? How do you just do that? <laughs> just to to be completely transparent, I haven't reviewed the games. I was kind of watching with with half an eye, just gonna be like, oh wow, Chengdu's winning. Like, oh, they're up two games. Like, oh, this is pretty crazy. And you know, I I, I think I really started to pay a little bit more attention, uh, like on route. And I I think I remember closing out with um, Nepal, but. I'd say that I, I, to be completely honest, I haven't reviewed it yet. It's kind of on the docket, but mm -hmm. you know, big plays from somebody who we didn't really expect to shine on a hero that uh, he has been. Um, Ameng is it seemed to kind of overperform. I would say. I think this was a complete case of overperformance versus underperformance. I think the Titans came in. Um, I, I won't claim that they were sandbagging, but I will say that I think that they're very um, unabashed, an unabashed, immature team. They're very young. Yeah. You know, you look at you look at like the that they'll prepare when they feel like they need to. And if I were, if I were part of the Titans, I, I I probably wouldn't take too much stock in Chengdu. They're a team that runs Wrecking Ball. You know, we can't really prepare for that, so we'll just you know run our game. And maybe it was a stylistic mismatch, but I think most of this was just a complete oh shit moment for them. Just oh, they they can like bumpers not playing so high. Like we actually have to not try, but oh like this is a different look we were actually preparing for all these dps comps and 
I think it was a, a number of stars aligning to see Chengdu even come close to beating the Titans. Um, would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I mean, also at the same time, you also realize Vancouver was five and zero at that time. Mm -hmm. The next team in pack is four and two. So they were already locked in for first place based on their um, map score, which at the moment still, even after going so close, is likely to be better than what NYXL finished up with. They are likely to land at around plus 17, which would put them at first in the league. So I'm not sure how serious Vancouver had to take this serious. Yeah. Or actually did. The one thing that I will say is where I, I slowly start to believe is, and I'm not sure where, where that confidence lies. Because from what I've seen, when Jinmu is on actual DPS characters, he looks very sick. Yeah. Um, Super flashy, but again, I think it's a matter of, yeah, you know, I mean, a lot he, of DPS he could, and, or a lot of DPS from them, and a lot of teams not necessarily practicing it, right? Yeah, I mean that, and I mean there, you know that that what Taimu recently talked about, like this uh, Diamond Widow. Uh, mm -hmm. situation in um i'm not entirely too familiar but go ahead okay so taimu talked about how he repeatedly gets completely dominated in widow dms by um diamond widowmaker mains because they have superior aim right okay that's taimu right like sure. not a guy with bad aim yeah, yeah basically stating like from currently there is not too much to be said about positioning uh, for dps uh, also in Jimmu's case, because mm -hmm. it's so different than what you would have to do in DPS metas. Mm -hmm. And from that, it's hard to say, but when when you just look at his mechanics, he looks very sick, especially on Hanzo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like, he's a player that will, or can, or has shown to identify very, very small and tight windows that he can, you know, uh, see and act upon. And, and sometimes those mechanics don't necessarily hold up. I think we've gotten a nice glimpse about what he can do when things go right. What we haven't seen is when things really go wrong and they don't can really get much better, right? If they, mm. again, I, he, for me, he is very analogous to a, a young, like apex season one, apex season two, Arhan looks really good. Sometimes, Another That's times, the worst argument you could have made for me, for me to accept him into my heart. I, I and continue. he's he's not someone that I I would say that I was probably one of the biggest proponents of Chengdu out of out of a lot of people, right? I don't think he's at that level, right? I don't think he's this crazy. We've gotten some really cool clips from him, and he's played really mm. well. But like you said, once we get into a DPS meta, I think things. That that meter, that that height meter, tones way down. You start to see him be this aggressive, you know, very flashy player that, while is consistent, there's a consistency level of what he's trying to do. Right? He's consistently just kind of going in, and sometimes he'll get that kill, but it's very telegraphed. It's very um, obvious. 
You know, you know yeah. what Chengdu can can bring out, and and again, maybe the coaching staff has identified this. Maybe they maybe they've been able to to work with him to address this. We won't know until we actually get a DPS meta. Um, but yes, is he is he mechanically gifted for sure? But there are times where he will just feed his pants off, and mm. we haven't seen it yet. But I'm telling you, we're going to see it once we get a meta game where he can't just boost in with Farah and you know barrage your backline for free and just just yep. take these really obvious kind of angles i don't think he'll he'll be as as flashy as uh what we're, what we've seen so far um but again good player again to your to your credit not that i don't i don't think they have star players i think they have mm. very stylistic players i think they their coaching staff and the team is built around that style but i, I don't think they have star level talent I also think the fact that they don't have Jashirin mm. is probably a benefit to them. Because, okay, mm -hmm. so if uh, Rui had access to Jashirin, right, would he then play him? I think that's bad. I think legitimately they would have won less games when they play full goats and try to play the meta probably. than when they play their weird stuff. So in that sense... That current situation probably saved them from themselves. Unless, of course, I, I don't want to under uh, undervalue Rui in this because we know he's a uh, a good strategical coach, right? Yes. But it's like I think if they don't do that, this is basically like what they are doing makes it so they will never be the Shanghai Dragons of season mm -hmm. one. They'll always right? be they, somebody. They in a 20-team league, you will always get somebody, especially mm -hmm. if you play stuff that nobody else is playing. Exactly. I will also say, and I put it out in the article, I'm not convinced that given significant, or not even super significant, but let's say, for instance, it became crystal clear in the next patch through, let's say the next PTR patch rolls along, massive Hammond buffs, it's clear he will be a starter in every meta composition. Now every team can um, practice it pr uh, who is not in playoffs. And then also there's a little bit of off, off time to between uh, stage one and stage two. Mm -hmm. I think that's already enough uh, time for like absolute top performers in the Overwatch League to figure out these kings and then probably outperform Arming on, um, on Hammond fairly quickly. I don't think he's... Like what he's showing, it is, it is so, sort of pioneering. Yeah. But I think the it doesn't particularly. Maybe his movement and mechanics, he could probably be a little bit advanced in that. Mm -hmm. But I think decisions making, he's already not like super amazing at that. No, never. Really and then, was. and then if if you give that to someone who has that and also can slowly grind into having mechanics, which fair enough are fairly different from other main tanks. I think um, his his edge that he could theoretically have isn't too far. So everyone. I, I do kind of want to unpack that. Um, I do think, I, I will agree that Jachiren being kind of uh, stuck in China with visa issues um, was kind of a blessing for them. It did kind of force them to play this weird style. I think that was always the plan, but I think 
the late addition of Jachirin. Um, again, for those of you who weren't necessarily following the, the roster moves in the postseason, um, the roster for Chengdu did not have Jachirin in it. So it was just Ameng as the main tank. And there was a lot of questions around that. What is, what is he really going to play? Does he have history on these, these heroes? And he did, but it wasn't a ton. There wasn't a lot of... Uh, meat on the on, on the bones there there wasn't a ton to, to really look at and say you know is he a good ryan is he a good winston he had some clips on orisa that you know we could see like yeah he, he seems pretty competent his team kind of works around him it, it all looks good but for the most part he was like a weird pocket dps a diva player and then adapted to hammond when he came out and looked uh good ish again it was tough to really tell because we haven't really seen much in the way of hammond play at the time or we didn't at the time yeah. What I do think, um, and I mentioned this on Twitter, uh, I think I think Maid had asked me about it or, or had kind of like chimed in. Um, I think they probably would have played Jajirin, but I also think that Ameng probably would have shared some play time with Elsa. I think they, they and historically, if my memory serves hmm. me, they would have played him on both D.Va and Hammond as a flex tank with just, just a, like a on certain maps, they probably would play Divaless Compositions with Wrecking Ball mm -hmm. instead of Diva, and then just had that as their, their look. So you'd still have the Reinhardt, but you'd be substituting the Diva for the, the Wrecking Ball. That, that's kind of where I imagine this was headed, but because he was stuck in China, or still is stuck in China, they, were, they kind of were forced to go back to what they were originally going with, and maybe there was um, some, some ill-advised success, you know, it, it it works right now, but yeah, it's it, it is strange, and I I do tend to agree with you that the Korean machine will probably eat him up, um, or, or at least it'll be a, a test, right? It'll be a crucible if he can stand the test of the 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 Korean refinement. And and okay, so what 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 I mean by that, right? Koreans tend to not they they don't tend to adapt and and be very creative, but they'll take what you make and then just raise it to the nth level they'll just beat you at your own game because that's what they're good at they'll, they'll take what you have and just refine it down to the the minutia and just beat you at it um so yeah i, I do agree that if uh wrecking ball becomes super meta that yeah i, I think Ameng probably will be ahead of the pack um but slowly will start to fall to a lot of the uh the mainstay korean main tanks that we uh, kind of know and love but um, is there anything else about Chengdu that you, you, you like? Is there anything else that, you know, you don't like? Anything you could see possibly being a downfall? Nah, I, th I think we, we will see. It, it depends on so heavily on what happens in the future in the meta. I think even at some point, like, one thing that could also suck probably for them is if goats stuck around. Sure. And I think Chengdu is inherently a team that will always be good in the beginning of a stage while everyone is fresh. sort of yeah everyone is figure, trying to figure out what's what's going on and then as people start to refine that's just they break they they collapse in you know getting to these higher levels to that refinement and um also individual player skill is, i think doesn't have as high as a ceiling you bring up a, an interesting question there that I think is um, 
kind of fun to to kind of think about and ponder on because we have seen a lot of success from these expansion teams. Do you think that um, the parity that we're seeing in the GOATS meta would continue if we went to, let's say, a dive meta? Or maybe, you know, a, whatever the next meta might be, do you think that if we just kind of remove the meta and be kind of meta agnostic when we talk about this um do you think that the expansion teams are going to be able to hold their own uh, come next patch or next stage it is already scary how well they're doing that now yeah. right like but i think that I there's don't... some some like very easy pitfalls to fall into where it's just like oh well they they play contenders and there's always kind of like an asterisk mm. above them if we mm. remove that ability for that asterisk to kind of have a lot of weight, and, and to be fair, it does, mm. it does make a lot of sense. They have yeah. had experience on it for a lot longer. Yeah. It does make sense. If we just completely throw that out the window, does does do these teams look as good? I, I, I some do, and some might surprise. I don't know. It's it's that's it's a that's fun. a good point. Yeah, yeah that that residual. I, I brought it up before, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at the bottom teams right now, not a lot of players or coaches have um, contenders experience. It's just the way it is, right? Yeah. For instance, Valiant didn't bring in any new players that played contenders, right? As far as I remember. Um, no, nobody that no. played contenders. They only signed. They don't even. So. They don't even. That's also an interesting thing to me that I was thinking earlier. How important is a contenders or an academy team for you? How much information dissemination between academy we and that. we can talk about that. That that is very interesting to me. How how that um, that can theoretically work. Washington is not doing well, and they don't have. Wait, let, let me. Don't let me lie. I don't. Th uh, no, they have some players that played, but also not particularly. Uh, successful in contenders yeah it was actually uh, look... surprising i don't want to super interject there but it was actually surprising to me that um because i'm not super familiar with north american contenders i was very much focused in korea and, and china at the time but if Corey's supposed to be the best player on washington pff, this team yeah. is not looking good but continue yeah it's so basically in my mind for stage one at least the worst thing you could have done mm -hmm as a team in the offseason, now in hindsight, is pick up bad veteran players from other teams. And that's sadly also the story of Florida Mayhem, yes. isn't it? Where, it, yeah, it's... Also, the Valiant, I mean, they they are B-teamers that were promoted to A-teamers. They didn't have a continuous experience, and also they didn't know how good they would eventually turn out, right? Um... Paris, okay, is currently down there, but I think they still have two games where they can uh, bounce back and even get. A... Can they? Do you even think go they will players? though? They're still in the running. I don't think that the decision is really in their hands at this point. I think mm. they have to like meet some extraneous circumstances and then have like some matches play out uh, their way for them to get in. I'm not positive on that. Don't quote me, Reddit, but. Um, yeah even even I mean, then do you think that they're going to i'm kind of checked out on the paris train i was pretty high on them early because i figured they were supposed to do well and then they're playing Shadowburn on zarya because soon just isn't isn't cutting it and even then it's not looking good i would say the following okay sure 
I think it's very unfortunate for them that they meet Flo uh, Fusion late in, in the season because of the Boombox. That's that's certainly an asymmetry in uh, sure. competitiveness they encounter in that situation. I would say <laughs> they play Washington, right? So they're currently at minus seven. That's a minus three, right? So, and then you win against Fusion. You're at plus one at four three score. That's that's not playoffs, I think. Four three. So, that that's definitely put again. It's putting yourself in that that dilemma where yes. you don't really have it. You're it's not up to you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's unfortunate. I think their problem really is that they lacked a good z uh, Zarya. I also mm -hmm. think there's something going on within that team where there's a mumbo jumbo about who should play Zarya, and there's some internal questions there. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, I'm. I'm honestly, I don't think even during the Rogue era, mm -hmm. where the end of Rogue, where everything wasn't falling into place, I don't remember soon being as underperforming as he is here. I feel like, for most of his career, soon what was at the very least an average player. Mm -hmm. This is this is a, a very big dip. Yes, that's probably the biggest in his career, yeah. which also makes me think that he will bounce back eventually. And um, isn't that but, the, the hope of the the thoughtful fan that that you know just pines on the old ideas of the the veteran players? Isn't that something that we kind of? Uh, isn't that kind of well, cyclical? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, okay. So there's something called the Lindy effect, right? Sure. And it's weaker in esports, but. The longer something has been around, the less likely it is that it will disappear tomorrow, right? Fair. So, in esports, of course, that is, yes, that it will disappear tomorrow. Yes, that is mm -hmm. probably uh, very unlikely. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's something to be said about career oh, Yeah, of course. I will also say that soon was is not just a player that hard carried in his career, which mm -hmm. he definitely did during Tracer Eras. He is also a player who can pro play projectile. So he has a, had a nasty junk rat for uh, yeah. in the beginning of, of the season uh, last year. And he also can play supportive roles. Definitely. Problem is who's the who's the carry on that team? That's that's where you know this was supposed to be their this is supposed to be their ecosystem. This was this was the team that you know was built through goats. They they lived and and you know existed through the life cycle of goats. When we get to the other side, that's when things start to go sideways for me. Um, Danya is good. I, I will say that I think a lot of people just kind of forget that he's even on this team where does where does the meta go where does the this team fit within that meta it's difficult to say um who is the carry i think it can be soon um you definitely can always just put your your eggs into that basket um is mm. Shadowburn even worth the wait not particularly super fond farah again i'm on the record saying pretty wishy-washy and I'm gonna say that again. It wasn't. It's it, it's it's fine. It's very okay. Is Genji? I don't know. Zarya still hasn't really done much anything. Um, yeah, I, I really don't. I don't know. 
I don't I don't think they do all that great, to be honest. I will also say I'm very surprised that Ben Bess is just set in stone apparently. I I didn't I, think I, when I, this this team was created that this would be the case yes. at all. Especially with Cloudy and how he performed on uh, Giganti. Mm -hmm. That blows my mind, especially with Saita in the team. It's mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I'm also not a fan of uh, how Ben Best is playing, but I will also say I, I haven't done my due diligence on his play in particular to have a strong opinion about this. It's just something that I um, observe on the occasion. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's not a, it's not a solid uh, opinion by any means. But yeah, it's it was very surprising to me that uh, Cloudy wasn't their starter. I, I think. Cloudy, I think you'll see a lot more Cloudy if and when Winston comes back into Vogue. If we're going into a perhaps an Arisa-focused meta, I think you'll see Cloudy. I think this benefits his style, very slow, methodical, very, you know, Giganti-esque play, right? What yeah. this <laughs> roster for Paris looks like, and when I when I saw how this, this roster flushed out, I saw Nico, I saw Ben Best. From that, I kind of assumed they were going to play this lights out, super aggro style of goats where they're going to play in your face, try to force you to make errors, and then capitalize off of it, right? Just kind of swarm you, beat you with aggression. Not very, not very uh, uh, elegant, I would say. Just kind of one track. Everybody's on the same page. We're going forward. It, it works out. Crew's very much in the same way, looking to make plays a lot of the time. Not very. Uh, I, I, there is calculation there, but for the most part, it seems like they, they want to play off of the back of Ben, Nico, and Cruz for my mm -hmm. at least. And that's kind of how I um, conceptualize the team, uh, at least first seeing it. Um, yeah. But when it comes to the next, whatever the next meta is, whether it be Arisa, whether it be Winston, yeah, I do think you see a lot more cloudy. But I still, I, I wonder about the question that you had posed, you know, who is there, Carrie? I, I, I really don't know. I, I do agree that Zoom could be, but I don't know. It's hard to say. But another team yeah. that is uh, kind of hard to say, especially with recent events, is the uh, Los Angeles Valiant. Um, mm. Obviously, <laughs> okay. not... Uh, I wasn't the soups as uh, positive as, as most. I think I probably, if we look at the community kind of power rankings, I think I was like the most negative on their placing. Um, what's your take on this team? General thoughts. <sighs> I, I, I have a feeling. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this in the article as well. It was a major mistake to let either demon gunba or both go mm -hmm. i think that that sort of uh killed the magic there because there was we were talking about the intangible factor of uh, valiant all last season like we couldn't really put a finger on why they're winning right sure sure um a lot of that team had offers from other watch league teams mm -hmm. and i'm i'm very surprised how this thing turned out right how this like i think it management also has to sort of say okay we we dropped the ball on some of those um substitutions soon comes to mind even though he doesn't look hot on uh on zarya but sure you, you don't necessarily need to play him uh on zarya i don't think um in that current situation but 
just to have him around would have been um, interesting. Finzi probably also um, would have. I mean, yeah, in this meta, it's it's hard. But yeah, he he would have likely uh, played a more decent Zarya. Uh, it's it is sort of rough, I will say. Also, they're complete like mix around of like player positions, and then they still have internal politics issues, and then. Now, once again, you have to cut off your head coach. And that's not unusual for Valiant, right? Like, yeah. around that time last year, they also let go of Cuddles. Yep. Difference being, he was cut by, at, at the score of 6-4, I think. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Something. So It wasn't as bad as uh, as what it is now. but Yeah. Um, Jesus. I'm not sure if you can even... If you can even make playoffs at this time. Yeah, seasonal like, playoffs. I think Monty, in, in, during the Oversight episode, actually brings up a good point that you're 0-7. I think you only play 28 games throughout the entire entirety of yeah. season two. So you're already down a considerable margin for season playoffs. Yeah. When you look at the track record of the Titans going forward, when you look at the track record for New York historically within last season, some of these top teams aren't dropping many games yeah. season-wide. So you're already down seven, and you're supposed to be this team's team that comes in and has this kind of magic factor to it. Yeah. What? How can you not cut the head off? You know, as much as, you know, Moon might be one of the better coaches, how can you not when you're when you're down 0-7 and, and you've basic, I, I would imagine, again, I can't, I don't know internally, but when you look at a head coach, I would assume that they probably have a, a good piece of, you know, a good say so on how this team's built. And you're you're not winning, and it's not close. You're you're not you're you're barely coming close against some of the bottom teams. We also want don't want to. That's another name that is often overlooked, though we probably have to name him now because he's the most successful of the old coaches. Is Ooks, right? Mm. But of course, like he was with the team at a different point in time, yes. a little earlier, right? But mm -hmm. my understanding is to, in the run up to the season, right? Mm -hmm. So I also like the new guys. Okay, Packing, I understand. Packing had some good success with Angry Titans. He also should have an understanding. Should make of sense, that. yes. Um, <laughs> dude, who's Dongsu? That's my ignorance. But this guy. Hasn't coached since, since he he coached WGS Laurel Nine in mm. January last year. Of course, we know like Liquipedia is not all knowing, and he probably sure. was doing something. Of course, it's just dude, that is not a Ganba level coach, or not one you can expect to be that level. So mm -hmm. that in itself, Moon was never, from my understanding. A strong strategical coach. Sure. So where's your strategy coming from? And also I will say what Flame is saying, that cries wolf it cries to me, mm -hmm. basically like my players are not satisfied with their coach, but yes. they don't understand mm -hmm. what goes into being a coach. I am justifying my own shortcomings in not firing him. So I completely, vehemently disagree with what he's saying. This is a coach meta. If you go 07 with 
a team that from the hardware is not that different from a team that was second in the regular season tomorrow, there is a large chunk on you. Something needs to change. And I will say the same is probably true for Outlaws because let's not forget, like, yes, their record doesn't look terrible at this point. Also looking at how they could have won two of these uh, Game uh, Mm 5 maps. Then again, that's also a coaching issue that you can't overcome this for now uh, one season and one stage. But this, their schedule is also hilariously easy. That's that's what I was going to bring up is, you know, when we look at Houston, I think their power rankings kind of are a little skewed because of the strength of schedule that they had. If we give them a schedule like, let's say, Washington. Are they a bottom team? Do they make playoffs? No, I don't think so. I think they absolutely get smashed out because this team just is a little lost. They they have looked better. I will give I will give Houston that. They've looked better as we continue. But even then, it's still weird calls, weird DPS comps on control that shouldn't be weird. But when you look at how uncoordinated and strange these ultimates are kind of flying out, I remember this this emp shatter on on busan that i think has kind of become a meme at this point i i think that sums up a lot of this especially against the valiant a lot of this team's issues where it's it's either communication or it's just strange positioning or or a a, a, a maybe an overly aggressive caller and jake where it seems like he's just a, just way ahead of the pack and, and leading the charge and i think having him within the team is good but I think we need to turn down the, the volume there. I think we have to dial it back just a little bit because he's dying every fight, it feels like. He's dying first. <laughs> every yep. fight. Yeah. And it's it, it, without fail. And again, like they brought up the stat on broadcast where they're like, oh, well, they lose um, every fight where Jake dies first. And it's like, well, when you when you die first, you, you're supposed to lose. So it's like, yeah. what... Okay, let's check this. I, I can I can bring up uh, Winston Slap real quick. Jake Overwatch. Uh, let's see how often this boy dies first. Um, fight stats. Okay, Bastion's not representative. Brig, fifteen point five percent. First deaths. Yeah. This season or last season? This season. Really? Oh, I didn't know the stats were up well. Uh, only for the uh, sorry, uh, only for the first three weeks. So the last week is not incorporated yet. But um, Hanzo fourteen percent on Hanzo, dude. Like, okay, that's six minutes though. Um, yeah, mostly it's break. Mm-hmm. So let's actually see. So who's a good break? Let's put profits. Let's put um. Take Huxal. Uh, Huxal. Um, I'm trying to think who plays Brig for NY. Let me. I have to see the names in front of me. <laughs> yeah, me dude. There's Libra, this phenomenon. I think. I. Sorry. I think it's Libra who plays Brig for them. It it sounds really stupid, but when you have 20 teams and and the meta it's just a... keeps shifting, and you have like 15 DPS players, it does get a little crazy. So before you you start to flame, uh, check yourself. No, no, it's, it, yes, it's liberal, but I, I meant like the, the um, you know, this sim- syndrome where someone tells you, oh, was it? what is it? Can you help me? What is it? Mm-hmm. And your brain automatically goes, 
this is hard. You also don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what happened. So, yes. okay, so what the... Dude, okay. First death, least, Huxel, 6.3%. Oh, so he's almost triple the first death. Profit has 8%. Jake has 15. It's nuts. That's ridiculous. And again, for, for those of you who haven't either read Captain Planet's articles, read uh, a number of articles that were posted on Winston's lab, if you die first throughout multiple metas, that's roughly a 70 to 80% loss ratio. And it's not just in goats. It's in dive. It's in most metas. If you die first, your team on average will lose that fight, yeah. right? Not the game, but just that fight. I I mean, it's not fair because Stratus had one game of 11 minutes of break, but it's 35%. Ooh, that is, you know, that it is kicking a dead horse. You know, the, the Justice aren't necessarily the, the best team in the world. Uh, let's see, I don't... Let's see, let's see, let's see. Um... Funnily enough, we, uh, if we're going to, you know, dive into stats here, because I, I, this is actually news to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the stats were posted, so I'm going to have to mm -hmm. send a, a, a very strongly worded message to Broy because he told uh -oh. me that they were going to be, he was going to let me know when they were posted, but it, it's all in jest. Um, Friendship cancelled. <laughs> what, what is interesting when we're talking about the justice, um, what's going on with Guido? Why is he being subbed out for, I think it was Stratus on Zen? Why do you think that that's necessarily the case? Oh, you want the juice? No, I see. Not, I mean, if if there's juice, there's juice. Um, so I don't, I don't want to say too much, yeah, but yeah, there's I, there, a situation there, with there's him no, and the there's coaching no staff. There's no digging at the juice. It was just like statistically compare them from that one match and just to see how they would go because I was actually surprised with how Guido was performing. There was a couple of maps yeah. versus NYXL that he was actually competing with Jonak in terms of all charge. So it's yeah. not like this kid's underperforming. Why are we seeing this, this, this guy who's, you know, who's, he's been someone that I've been very questioning of, right? You're, you're a tracer player. Soul moved you to trade Zenyatta. Maybe you've had a Zenyatta the entire time. We just never saw it. Maybe you just had like this mm -hmm. pocket tracer that was better than Eskis. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. Why are we moving him? This doesn't make much sense. And I and, and this is this is where I kind of like throw it to you. Do the stats kind of support that? Do you think? Do you think they would? Do you think he's actually underperforming? I think if if I had you know not to to play pseudo host here, I would actually look it up and see because I don't think he's actually performing all that bad. No, he's not he's not doing that terribly. Um what I will say is Basically, always when something doesn't make sense in who is playing and who is not playing, there's always drama. There is always drama in Overwatch League. You can pretty much yeah. say that. I'll, or I can, there's I can say that as well. Sometimes that the problem really is is sometimes there's tragedy that a team rightfully mm. doesn't want to bring to the outside world, right? So, in that those cases, um, it's not uh, too terrible to just not say anything sure. and then, then that's fine right like i don't see a, um a problem in these cases so, so let me see actually okay so uh guido yeah he's dying first a lot oh he's going to but overall overall he's not he's one of the most solid players on his team yeah statistically mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, I think I don't that, think I, again, a I'm not, we're not digging at juice here. We're not. We're. Not, I don't. I don't want mm-hmm. this to be about drama. But I think this this shows that it's not based on performance because he's performing well. Statistically, it looks like he's performing well, relatively well for his team. So when you see him subbed out, that that's got to raise some question marks. Because yeah. he's not the reason this team's going poorly. If anything, yeah. and I think we'll probably agree on this, it starts at the front. It starts yes. with Giannis. Yes. When you have a human pin bot on your team, there's not much in the way of protection for the back line. So, of course, every fight seems like it's a loss. Yeah, that no, that that entire front line has massive problems, and they apparently have massive problems um, seeing that or allowing themselves to see that. Sure, that in itself is, I I believe, one of the biggest problems. Also, once again, this is a coaching meta. There's there's no. That's, that's where I was headed next. Is okay if we're gonna say that Moon has to go. If Washington goes 0-7 in their first stage, do you think Wizard has to leave? So the problem is the following, right? Sure. We know that from based from the from the offers that we know or not no no, but we very heavily expect that sure. Wizard Young got that this offer was not a cheap one. He probably is paid pretty well. Now we also know that uh, Washington doesn't have like a lot of money to spend around ba- just based on the players they picked up. So if you fire Wizard Young, I'm sure his contract has to be resumed pay. So now you're paying for uh, a second coach and then you also have to find a coach who does it within your budget. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not sure if Wizard Young would allow himself to be demoted and then you bring in a, a, yeah, a new head coach or whatever. I don't think that works. Um, but yeah, they, they are in a, in a strange situation where they probably have to ride it out till it's undeniably awful. And I mean, there's still a position where they win the last two games, I guess. I it's mean, not it, an OSF. Yeah, it's not, it's not a not point, you know, reasonability that they, they just you know, can squeak out something. Um, but the confidence is definitely not there, and it's probably not there for the rest of the season, if we're going to be completely I, honest. Yeah, I, I will say, if they actually get a win against Paris, that could probably bridge the confidence over into next stage, at least. And then, if they play, I don't think... Yeah, like, Florida could be close. So. Florida definitely could be close. I think Paris <coughs> should be fine. I think they have problems with Azaria, but at least they have a game plan. Um, mm. And they act on it. I think uh, Justice has the beginnings of a game plan and then once they decide to sh- not stray away, but as the game progresses, we get into kind of the mid-game where a lot of these early rotations, a lot of these set positions you know, can't or, or aren't feasible to hold. The, the team looks very passive. They look very uh, scared almost. They don't look very confident when you're playing up against the likes of the Titans, the New York Excelsior, the Shock. Will Who we told s- me this? What? Did did you say that you thought their pre-fight was good? Yeah. Or did I, I hear that from someone else? I think yeah, okay. against, um, I did like a little study on them, um, specifically on like King's Row. 
and I thought mm-hmm. their pre-fight for A was very, very good. I think they had a mm-hmm. good idea of what they wanted to do and then mm-hmm. didn't do anything about it. They, they, yeah. they, they would... I don't know why. I guess it's maybe because I'm watching a lot of MMA recently. But they'll they'll get you on the ground and they like they they can get you there, right? They can take you down, but they don't know what to do after they get you there. If that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. They can mm-hmm. they can get into an advantageous position, and then nothing nothing happens. And it's this yeah. passivity that just this drags this team down because it, it's really they're really not all they're they could be competitive with the bottom tier teams. I'll say that. When I say not that bad, that's what I mean. They could be competitive with Houston. They could be competitive with the 0-7 Valiant that we've seen. They could be competitive with Florida. I don't think they'll be competitive with Paris. I Again, I think that for the most part, fundamentally, they should be fine. Paris, that is. They have their mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. Justice has much more severe problems. But mm-hmm. Coming back to Valiant for a second. Okay. Where do you think they go from here? Because again, something that I, I, I will address in another video, their translator has been let go. What does that mean? Do you think they go full Western? That's a weird one, right? Mm-hmm. I don't. I if I'm gonna have a Korean core, or if I'm gonna have some Korean players, I'm gonna want a translator, right? Maybe you keep Iziaki. Yes and no. No? Because, okay, so most, I think one justification that could, there, there could be is if you look at the names, most of them have, or many of them have been around since, um, since before Overwatch League started. Sure. Like Karif and, uh, Fate have been in the United States for like one and a half years now. Sure. Um. Cookie speaks solid English. Definitely. I guess what I'm saying is, do they need a translator at this point, right? Or can the uh, so the teammates translate? You think maybe it was specifically for the coaching staff they couldn't necessarily communicate in English? I think there's, I think there's a world where they say, okay, we need to free up Budget. resources in order to hire m- more important roles, maybe. Okay. So, for instance, something that has been missing in a lot of these teams is, for instance, a performance coach, right? Do so they, I thought they have one, if I remember correctly. Mm, yeah. Oh no, they do want yeah. have one. Doctor Doug, Doug, Doug. Okay. I can't for say them, that I know probably, too much about him, but it seems yeah, like the yeah, players are fairly receptive to him. I think I see uh, some of the French players, you know, tweet at him every once in a while. Yeah. So it seems like he's all right. Seems like an all right guy. Yeah. Um, but where, what do you do may, with this maybe roster? Just... Do you keep the Koreans? Do you do you let them go? I mean, they've again like I think like you, you have to keep. Fans. They've been with the the roster for a while now. They've been there since they've been with this roster since Immortals, obviously pre Overwatch League, like you mentioned. But despite Faye, uh, space, mm-hmm. the Koreans are the best part about this roster currently. Like... But do you? You don't think that they can improve on that, though? Fate, I, I will with agree. With Westerners? No, not necessarily with Westerners. Not necessarily. That's where I'm headed with it. I think that... I, I do think you bring up a, a good point about the translator and could be for the coaching staff. Or maybe that's just me projecting mm. my, my, my kind of epiphany on you. Um, so congratulations. Um, 
<laughs> I, I do think it's very difficult to argue fate. Historically, he has been very, very good. This meta, it is team play oriented, so maybe he's suffering because of the team, the internal dynamics not necessarily working out in their favor. It is hard to argue somebody over fate. But Kareev, there's a lack of direction there. I haven't seen much from him in in the way of of being a. <sighs> It's it's hard, right? It's difficult. Where okay, what enough about me. Where do you think Valiant goes with this? What do you think? Do you, are you asking what should they do or what will they do? What you think they will do? What in your opinion? What do you think they will do? What do you think they should do? Your okay, I make you GM. What do you do with this team? Okay, so in order to prepare myself for this, I gotta go on the ayahuasca trip. That is. <laughs> Uh, LA Valiant um, management decisions. Oh, okay. But or or tune it out. One of those two. Um, yeah, straight fire Dante. I don't know if you caught that. I linked it to you. Where after Houston beats the Valiant, they oh, yeah. do like a listen in. That was some. That was fire. I like that a lot. Continue though. <sighs> okay, so um, Agilities, you can't build your team around that. No. He. The most redeeming quality of him is that he has a big Chinese uh, fan base and is a decent-looking kid. I heard he is lazy, and I heard uh, I also see that he's not outstandingly good as people want me to believe. Yes, Kareev just needs to settle down, and I also think his ego doesn't match his skill. And I also think that. I, he, he's just not more than average. Mm -hmm. Space is the player you want to play, uh, uh, build your team around easily. Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe you can even ask him for some players that uh, he wants to play with. Uh, not sure how, bi how good of a decision that is. I would have to know more about space. Mm -hmm. As like a character, if he, uh, how he would judge that. I don't think fate is a problem yet. I would definitely probably count Gunnarhin to be back in future metas. Bunny is weird. Uh, interestingly, Custa. So, if I'm Dallas, the the thing that Monty suggested, I would never take that. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he said that they would trade Custa and who else for closer? Custa, someone, and money. Space. Custa, space. It doesn't make much sense. And I don't remember his reasoning, so I don't want to like just openly criticize, but mm. it didn't... Hmm. No. I, it doesn't I'm, make much I'm sense. Not... Again, if, if Closer's supposed to be this guy who is this you know main caller and you just got RCK, why would yeah. you? doesn't make much yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, RCK is really not playing... Uh, badly enough to warrant uh, oh. that trade, I, I don't think. I think RCK is playing fairly good. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Yeah, no. They, I think they they have a problem because, okay, so they already have oh wait, two, four, six, eight, nine player roster. Mm -hmm. There's really only three substitutions they can bring in or they trade people. Now I don't think I I mean there is a world where they have to trade uh, 
more desirable characters in order to free up slots because they need big changes, I think. Definitely. I even think that at this point you have to say, even if another meta came around, I, I can't even craft a meta where this roster would look No, good. exactly. If, if Dive comes bad, this is season. not good. Like, I don't know. This is... There's just way too many old names, and I'm really continuously or increasingly losing respect for um, for old names. I, I know this is sort of speaking against what I said about soon, mm -hmm. but I wonder really how long we can expect pro player careers to be in Overwatch in a game that is so radically changing, unlike yes. any other esport I've ever been part of. It is nuts how hard this game changes. We can talk like, about like how player burnout isn't necessarily, um, or at least it's been addressed with you know how season two is worked up, but and how the the league itself, you know, we have this massive off season, and and you know we're trying to give players all the benefit of the doubt when when it comes to their burnout. But when you're like you mentioned, when the game is literally whiplashing you around from left to right to up to down. And, and forcing you to adapt to all these different situations, you're going to be chewed up and you're going to be spit out. So if that doesn't change, I don't think Overwatch becomes any different from any other esport that you're going to be used. And in a way, you're just kind of going to get thrown out into the trash. So, But continue. Mm. Sorry, I just wanted to really echo that point because I thought it was actually quite, quite intelligent. Yeah. I also think this team doesn't really have a straightforward identity anymore. No. Like, if you look back to the Immortals days, I remember writing an article about this Immortal Brotherhood, mm -hmm. like where, well, you still had the, you know, the 18-year-olds that finished online high school courses together. It was agility, it was grim reality, you know, these types of things where it's more than just a narrative that um, teams can, or fans can attach to. Sure. I don't see, that. my valiant narrative is, what I hear from the team is, that there's constant infighting and has been also already since um, season one. So it's, uh, by the way, this is nothing unusual for Overwatch League teams. No, it's not probably not a, even a yeah. terrible thing. I think you, it might be conclusive even to to um, success. To success, but yeah. at the same time, like if it's if it stops being conclusive. These pickups also in the offseason, dude, what is Cookie going to do? That is the one position you didn't have a problem <laughs> yes. in. Yes. It was it was very surprising to me that Valiant was the team that approached Cookie with an offer. Uh, you put him on a team like Houston, for instance. Maybe a team like Dallas, if OGE wasn't necessarily working out. He He's a player that should fit on a Western roster very well because he can speak English. Very much in the same way that Ark should be on another roster yeah right? will but i'm not so even convinced of his i'm not even convinced of his individual skills as a main tank yeah and... that's that's where we've really never seen him fully tested we've seen him a little bit on soul and it was okay nothing mm. you know not too much in the way of you know improvement or you know kind of on par with miro at the time but yeah not mm. not uh not ever really tested for the most part winston was okay on mvp space but Again, they didn't really do much, and they still had some actually pretty good players. Whatever that, yeah. you know, chalk that up to. Yeah. But yeah. Also, by the way, this I don't think the the metrics by which you win on a on an organizational 
level mm-hmm. changed this much between season one and season two. So when we said, okay, we don't even understand really why Valiant is so successful in season one, sure. this this stage proves to me that they didn't understand yeah. why they were successful. And apparently, by, you know, via negativa, we find out that everything they cut, apparently, is what makes them successful. So Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, it's 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 hilarious in that situation so it's, do you just completely really... just rebuild it yet I, I again I, I agree i think you take space i think you take izayaki seems promising you just got him he's just kind of come online and has proven to be a decent flex support very above average yeah do you so just build around those two okay so one one attempt i'm not sure if that's even works so sure, sure. again completely off the cuff no, okay, no, so no what I do is I get a contenders team. Okay. I hopefully have given two-way contracts to some of those players where I didn't know what they would turn around because what people don't un- understand or apparently don't know is there are teams in Overwatch League that don't have an academy t- team. But they're still signing two-way. do have two-way players, mm. yes. So hopefully someone like a KSF is a two-way player. So you can offload them to that and ha- still have them have playtime, mm-hmm. right? Because Spraliant, who know for a fact how tr- taxing it is to not be able to play for an entire season, mm-hmm. right? And they, I guess they wanted to circumvent that with, uh, with having a nine-player uh, roster. Probably won't work out that well. Sure. So that's that's what I'm doing. Um, I'm trying to develop some talent. I'm also bringing Koreans. And then I look at... Um, the the remaining players and maybe i want to try to free up some space by making someone a coach or something like this or giving him a streaming platform because You're the problem is the it's very stream it again i mean this the, the problem really is is if you loaded up your team with contracts there is really nothing you can theoretically do to get them out of your player limitation, I don't think, other than having them retire. And of course, you can't make them. Can you not so, buy or them out of the contract? train them? Um, I'm not sure if that works. Okay, fair enough. So they need new players. And I, I think you still stay with a hybrid roster. Um, so you keep space, you keep fate. You go on the hunt for DPS players because that is a big problem. And you go on the hunt for a new flex support. I'm not convinced by Iziaki yet whatsoever. Mm, okay, fair enough. That's that's, that's um, definitely uh, an opinion that I haven't heard yet. So fair enough. Continue, please. I, I, like, like, watching him, he's just... I think he's even a little bit below average in the Overwatch League. That's also a testament to the quality of flex supports we do have in the Overwatch League. Like, a lot of flex supports are very decent. So, for instance, if I tell you the name Shaz, what's your evaluation of Shaz? Average to slightly above, I would say. Better mm-hmm. on the Western side. He He looks to be a very good player. You know how absolutely insane statistically the difference between him and the top four Zens currently in the league being Twilight, Shu, Violent, and Jonah, I guess. It's nuts. This this ceiling is incredible at uh, at this point in time. Mm. Izayaki is just... Yeah. 
of course, also because his team is not doing well. But sure. yeah, he he doesn't convince me at all. Like, even the highlight clips people post are completely underwhelming. Um, I also think, dude, their Lucios basically are playing. Yeah, they the don't Walls have. They don't Lava. have a Lucio. They just they don't, don't have a. This this meta is Lucio carry meta. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, a team like Boston. Calyx hard carries that shit at times. Yeah. It's not just fusions. It's like Calyx is a, a carry in this meta of the highest order, dude. Like sometimes he hyper feeds into positions, mm -hmm. but it is because he wants to do yes. uh, the big plays, right? Yes. And I think that at the time, I, I talked to coaches who were playing against Boston and they said, okay, we don't shut down fusions. We shut down Calyx and that's how we shut them down. A lot so, of their tempo comes from a lot of the team's tempos. So you look at Paris very much in the same way. Um, I yeah. think you you want to shut down Cruz, and yes, they're having Zarya issues. But you, see, I'll I'll do this on my own. But I I would be pretty, I'd, I'd put willing to put money that Cruz probably has a high first death ratio comparatively to league average Lucios. Should, should I give you it a good? To. You don't have to. Quick I'll probably talk. do it later. But I, I would okay. I would imagine that he's getting shut down, and it seems like he is. Mm hmm Yeah. Just proves your point. It's, yeah. I, I think you need to play making Lucio in this um mm -hmm. in this meta. Yeah. Cruz has ten percent first first death. What's well, like the average? Which is yeah. uh that's hard to say at this yeah, I would have to look into it. But he also has pretty high first kill at eight yeah, percent. Definitely. So. I mean, he's good. Um, it's just like this is the way that teams are starting to adapt to these very, um, very playmaking focused. That's not really a great sentence, but you know these these Lucios that want mm. to make plays that they're trying mm. to set their teams up that are yep. very much a caller for their team. Kellex not so much. I don't know necessarily how much he participates because it seems like Fusions uh, might just be calling him in to like go for these plays. Yeah. And maybe Cruz. Yep. We know that Cruz is very vocal, but. Um, it, yeah. it is interesting dynamic. It's fun to see that uh, the Lucio meta is kind of a meta because you know historically this has been a, a payload cart stall bot. You know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's um, it's like I think I try to raise the awareness of that point mm -hmm. uh, in interviews and whatever, but sure. I, I think I still think this is an undervalued point mm -hmm. that currently there's two positions. I think that are most important, and people think it's Zarya. It's I don't think it's Zarya. I think it's the main tank, and I think it's um, it's the Lucio that's currently making plays. And if these two are making plays together, then that probably most often leads to Signal good success outcomes. Yeah, right. on average, there are other combinations which work between definitely, different teams. Definitely. There are definitely other synergies that, that are working, but on average, I think that's the most reliable. Hmm. <coughs> it's funny you mention Zarya. Do you think that the reason why the main tanks are so important is because of... I, when you say that, my brain immediately goes to decision-making. And it seems like Zarya still has that level of decision-making because you have to know when to either position aggressively on the high ground, a la Sinatra. When mm -hmm. to kind of tank for your, your Reinhardt because he has to back off because he's getting a little bit pressured by this off-angle diva and the Discord, this, that, the other thing. Um, I think I have to do a little bit more research, but I think Spark does this very well. They're very almost kind of EU 
goats in a way where they have their their Zarya very much stationary with their Rhine and plays with him and has Bazzi go for playmaking. IDK still makes plays, but Bazzi, again, another player that probably has a lot of first deaths because they're trying to put him forward to make those plays. Mm -hmm, do you mm -hmm. think... Okay, so I guess what I'm trying to get at is why do you think that the main tank is so specifically important in this meta? Obviously, we can say that it is, but why do you think it is? I think if you have a vocal main tank that knows how to micromanage his team because he dictates uh, pace. Sure. True. Um, he's the micromanager. He's mm -hmm. basically like the abathur of um, goats right now. Because everything works around his pacing, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think you might be able to put it on another role, but I don't think it's a, as effective and as in tune with his cooldowns and everything like this. So <coughs> I, I think, for instance, um, success that Fusions, Fusions was seeing... I mean, um, you, you say that definition that, of that. the main tanks, and it just sounds like you're talking about Fusions. Um, I also think, for instance, okay... So Bumper is a, a very strange case, right? Mm -hmm. So he his success works on completely different metrics, it seems like. For some reason, Bumper feeding is way better than other main tanks feed, feeding. Mm. Just in the, in the sense of what kind... It's almost like fraggy type of stuff from season one with... Um, Whether it's kind with, of like a almost a plan involved. Yes, yes. I, I think there might be. I, I think there's more than just a necessity to play around a player that can't really adapt his playstyle. I think sure. um, Bumper bu Bumper's playstyle does work in Runaway. It's not something that they just do in order to make it somehow work because he's a good friend or something. something. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I... I I think I wonder how much he calls. But I, I think, if I remember correctly, in the oversight episode, I think Harsha mentions that he's actually the captain. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily super accurate, but I think he actually does participate quite a bit in comms. Okay, so yeah, that, well, I mean that again, in itself sort of speaks to, to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Manod mm. probably does that as well. I would imagine. So. Uh, I'm actually not sure. Do you know what what Toronto is like? It's mostly Roki, right? Uh, I don't think so. I think just from talking to Broy, I actually think that they've had to shift their calling treasure because I think when Neko was set out, Aid actually participated heavily in comms. Mm -hmm. If I had to guess, I think it's Envy and Yakpung who are calling primarily. Mm -hmm. It's kind of 50-50 almost. Roki probably communicates some, but it feels like it's very much around the D.Va and the Rhine mm -hmm. specifically. So again, kind of a still supporting your point. Yeah. But you, yeah. Mentioned, you mentioned Bumper, and I kind of want to close the show out on, on Bumper. Okay. Here we go. You, you bring up an interesting point with, you know, the this kind of plan around him dying. You, you mentioned that, and my brain immediately goes to, because we know that 
the team is so heavily focused around bumper and he gets literally every resource you can imagine the brig pockets him you know he gets every bubble he can you know they're, they're not trying to go for these off most i i want to say most teams do bubble the rhino more than the most right if we're gonna, mm. you know, count how many bubbles sure. go where, Ryan probably no, gets it the most. But I think for some teams, the second person most bubbled varies. I think sometimes it's a Lucio because you need him to go in and get plays. But if you don't have a playmaking Lucio, who's gonna make those plays? I think a lot of the time it goes to the Brig. Philly, for instance, sometimes you'll see EQO get bubbles. Mm -hmm. IDK gets bubbles for Spark, but I also think Bazzy probably gets bubbles quite often if you're gonna sit there and meticulously count it out. Do you think that the reason why Titans can succeed when Bumper dies first is because the enemy team has to match so many resources into them, and now it's just completely you've overcommitted into resources into your own main tank or your own playmaker that now we have some sort of steam to to kind of roll off on in terms of Titans. I I think what is happening is that. There has rarely been a team that are space tricksters True. to the degree that Titans are. Mm. Like, the amount of cooldowns and... So, A, they have cooldown tracking unreal. Yes. They realize where the space is, and they don't have a formula, I don't think. No, it's probably intuitive. Yeah, they're on the fly just making shit up. And a lot of it is Jano, by the way, who's mm -hmm. like, that's that's some highly wrinkled galaxy brain stuff that consistently gets pulled off by this guy, mm -hmm. right? In a meta where it's not even necessarily that much about D.Va, it it is a lot about, about graph eating, yeah? yes. But, I mean, unreal at times. How he just really tricks teams into giving him the attention and then also how he demands sometimes the bubble after a uh, bumper's early demise and then what that does to the rest of the team how he then places the bombs generally his bombs and then it's it's like he's it's a stereotype but it's like this chess piece movement that consistently keeps happening mm -hmm. where run run uh runaway yeah always i want to say Titans is going like, okay, we go here, we go there, they do this, they do that, and now there's a cooldown window where they don't know their checkmate yet, sure. but here comes the bomb, and boom, it goes off, it's this 3k, and they just win the fight after being 5-6 down, right? This, I think they just have a way more sophisticated understanding of when you are dead in cooldown yes. situations yes. than any other team. Including NYXL, by the way, yes, which then much. allows them to um, to make it work to that extent. And I think to that style, mm -hmm. because space is so important to to making that type of thing work, and then also map geometry, they will um, that that just makes it work with Bumper. Mm. Now, obviously, you were pretty vocal. Um, to kind of either come to the defense, I don't necessarily think he, he needs it, but, you know, uh, mm. Roy had mentioned on Oversight that he thought that Bumper might not be 
Overwatch League caliber, and you know, you kind of clarified and said that well, that's really not what he meant. What he meant was you know, mm. the style wouldn't really fit on other teams, and from what we know, it sounds like it definitely wouldn't. Right? If we were to plug and play him into another team, from what we hear, mm. it didn't yeah. look great. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely very much a stylized fit, and just kind of works very, very well with them. Um, are you worried about him? for the titans for the foreseeable future because again again fun fact for those of you who don't know he hasn't really played main tank all that long on the 19th of march so in about a week from at least the recording because we're recording it on the 12th um, mm -hmm. this will this will be his one year anniversary of playing main tank full-time at least um competitively so he started in contender season one because in apex season four we still had tizzy we still had Kaiser, mm -hmm. I believe, as well, but he didn't see much playtime, but it was mostly Tizzy, right? Contender Season 1 played Winston. If you remember correctly, didn't look great. Season 2, much more improved. Season 3 was gone, right? Mm -hmm. So, where do you think Bumper falls with this team? Do you think it's a liability? Do you think it could be an issue? Do you foresee Titans maybe grabbing a substitute main tank player just in case? Trying to integrate him within the family a little bit? So they can at least fall back on something if Bumper doesn't necessarily work out. So <clears throat> I already told you before the show, it's not a it's not a super crystal crisp um, pattern. Sure. But we know of Runaway as the even season Runaway, mm -hmm. right? Where in season two, and then in season four, and then in Contender season two. Yep. Runaway had finals appearances, of which they famously won the last one with that roster. Yes. And between at least the first and the second, uh, sorry, the second and the fourth season, mm -hmm. Bumper switched roles. Yep. Now, if you have an integral player, it, it does need time to build up. An Apex season is about, let's say, three, month, three, three months. Three months, yeah. Right? That is also pretty much what other um, research, for instance, for the core four or whatever, how long it takes for a core to form, I would expect that this is also true because uh, for, for individual players on new roles because it is something that grows alongside integrating into a team. So my in my mind, it, it depends on what the new meta is sure. because... I think there is a world where there could be a playstyle for Bumper which he cannot immediately slip into. Mm -hmm. That is very possible to me. I will say, however, that it also was very possible for him to slip into um, into specific main tank roles. And if that, or sorry, roles generally, because he switched uh, <coughs> roles so much and um, was also very success successful at it, I'm less concerned about them for playoffs unless a change comes very late into the season. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, no, I'm not concerned. What I will say is, they're basically what Baroy said, right? That, mm -hmm. like, let's, let's uh, address the elephant in the room. Baroy said on Oversight that Bumper would not even be Overwatch League level. Uh, what he basically means is, okay. So what people need to understand is Bumper was trialed by everyone who wanted to invest into a hybrid roster, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And who 
had the confidence that their war chest could afford him. Let's say that. So <coughs> what basically this comes from is Baroy looking at the performance that um, Bumper had and a, either his ability or his willingness to adapt. Mm -hmm. And that is, for our purposes, basically the same thing, right? Sure. What, what he saw was not really something that they could build their roster around. And then I will also say <coughs> it is very likely to me that if you took, took Mano and put him in Titans, that Titans could work. It is not obvious to me that uh, you put Bumper into NYXL and NYXL works. Mm -hmm. So... That should, the, by that logic, I think there might be a situation where that becomes a problem in the future sure. for Titans. I will also say that that problem probably won't won't hold on for long, <coughs> and I don't think it needs a major fix. I think what we might see is maybe a London esque. Um, season hopefully not an new york excelsior-esque season right where your drop off comes oh, too so late in the season right okay That's so it, i mean it will be it, it's still impossible for me to think that a team will just straight up dominate go like lose like one match tops per stage and just go through the final and just win it all i don't think that's possible in overwatch too many metas too long a season, too big of competition. I don't know. So. <coughs> I, I don't know if you want to get into that next or, or to actually close the show out, but uh, mm. to kind of finish up with Bumper. Um, and, and this sounds like it would be a joke, right? This sound, this what I'm gonna say sounds facetious. That that I'm not really serious, but I wonder how much this could be the case. If I'm okay. runaway, and I'm built mm -hmm. as this family, and we're all friends here. Mm -hmm. And somebody approaches me, says, hey, Bumper, I'm willing to throw the checkbook at you. Come play for my team. A, why would I? I you know, am I really going to try if I go into that? This, I, I will bring up sandbagging for, mm. for these for these players because I, I this is a team that I've kind of spent my career playing with and around. Do are you I saying try? that in trials? Yes. Do, so do you do, are you trials willing, to not be, yeah. Not, not it, throw, but are you willing to bend your style to this team that you really don't want to play for? Mm-hmm. Think that's yeah. a possibility? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very possible. Ten. I also think that if you have eight tryouts uh -huh. and you can pick who where you want to go then yeah. you don't have to give 100% in every tryout no if i don't really want to go here then i'll show up and i'll try and maybe maybe i like it when i you know mid match but if you're going into it with the the mindset that eh, don't really need it i got you know this amazing team sat behind me of players that i've historically played very well with and around and i like them very much and i don't really want to go anywhere i mean the money looks nice mm -hmm. do i have to no yeah but you mentioned something interesting I agree. that you know you think that we won't see well okay i, I don't want to put words in your mouth 
dominance in Overwatch seems to be difficult to pull off. Would you agree? Yes. Do any of the teams currently strike you with the ability to be dominant this season? No. No? After last week, no. Mm. What 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 about last week kind of triggered alarms? So NYXL already sort of convinced me that they are mortal in this early uh, definitely, season. Definitely. And Titans. Yeah. I think I think they are Titans are Titans are such a strange bunch because again, like I, I hate to double back because again I, I don't want to keep you all that long but you know we look mm. at Hoxall and he's been super you know kind of wishy-washy in his in his positioning historically right now it seems like there's not too much of a problem there and maybe it's bumper masking that who knows but are they going to be continuously dominant throughout all of these metas I don't think so I think that no. they've got kind of lightning in a bottle here do I think they're going to continue out finish the season? I don't know. I'm not necessarily too sure. Playoffs are going to be a big litmus test on how mortal they look and how much preparation really means for this team. Because it seems like, again, talking to Harsha and, and him talking in interviews, that sometimes prep's not necessarily too hot for some of these teams. And, and you know, maybe they overlook them a little bit. When we get into playoffs, are they going to take it seriously? I have no idea. No clue. But continue. With what you're saying. I think there's there's a ten percent, ten to fifteen percent chance that we will find out this season that either Huxall or Stitch are washed sure. DPS players. Sure. I would, so I that in itself point. would pose a big problem. Then again, championships are won by no, okay, seasons are won by tank lines and uh, DPS lines. Grand finals are won by DPS, is what I come to believe. Yeah. On the day, you're going to need, you know, everybody playing at their max potential. And I guess depending on the meta, you know, if it's if it's a GOATS meta at the seasonal finals, mm -hmm. uh, obviously it's going to be hard for a DPS player to, to necessarily pop off. But um, yeah, no, I would, I would tend yeah. to agree. So you don't think any team, New York doesn't inspire faith. Titans doesn't inspire faith. Is there a dark horse? If anyone, if anyone, it's New York. It has to be, right? And I and I really, this is going to be kind of telling for me. Me specifically, so for the record, I think New York has the best chance, again, that this stage, they've made playoffs. So this is five in a row now. Stage playoffs. Concurrent, right? If they make the stage finals... What it, does that inspire any hope then? That maybe, yes, they started the season poorly, but they've learned, they've grown, they, they understand the meta a little bit more, they know how to play around it, they know how to play in it. Does it, If they get to the stage finals, at least, they don't have to win, but just getting to five consecutive stage finals, does that inspire any kind of faith? In terms of... Dominance? I think they are the favorites to win. I can tell you that I believe that. Okay. Um... No, mm. because I I think there's a world where the next meta switch is just too radical. And suddenly you have other teams. Dude, if a Widow meta, meta comes along, I'm not convinced that anyone can hold a candle to Happy, for instance. 
Oh, and NYXL too. Yeah, that uh, that is a tough ask. Pine is good. Happy is another kind of monster. That's... Yo, dude, Pine is good. Pine is good. Some matches, like Happy's where he's explosive. Every he, yes. If it's a Moto Meta, dude. They played Sebi Olby because he is consistent in mm -hmm. his performances. Pine is a cliffhanger most of the time. And of course, if Pine goes off, he's one of the most magical players in Overwatch history, right? Sure, sure. I won't take it away. Happy is consistently monstrous. Like, I'm, I'm sort of feeling giddy for the world to learn what a monster this guy is. Mm -hmm. I hope a Widowmaker comes. Like, this is... I don't think there is a player for me that I could craft a meta around where I expect the 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 gap to be wider than happy against the rest of the world. Who would you say has the best chance? I think immediately everybody's mind goes to Pine. I, and I would agree. Saya player. Saya player, um, Carpe. Carpe. Carpe has a certainly. magic about him, you know? Mm-hmm. And if we're going to just compete in a vacuum for a moment, Happy versus the League, who do you think has the best chance? Just a Widow one-on-one. -on -one. If it is this hyper pocket, the Widow strategy, double sniper-esque, who rivals him? If anybody. I, I think that's a, that's a, you know, I don't think it's a cop-out to say that nobody does, but, you know, think about it for a moment. Ow, I have a Charlie horse. Do you have a name? I think if anybody, I would have to say Carpe. There's just something about him picking Widow and just willing the game into existence. I think I was gun-shy early on. When Philly threw Nepal, I can't remember what match. It was the match that they decided to pick Arisa and McCree and push out into the enemy spawn. But he kind of... Insta locks Widow, kind of mid fight, and comes back and just starts to win just by pure skill. And that's pretty inspiring. I think Happy's nuts. I think there's a lot of peak players. So, players, if I could take them and have them play their best, which again isn't uh, feasible, right? Mm -hmm. But I think if I could get peak Pine. That would be a good mashup I'd like to see. I'm almost kind of becoming a, a, a wrestling or boxing promoter where I'm just trying to make these crazy all-star matchups. But I think Peak Pine would be interesting. I think if I could sell Bazzi on actually playing Widow and take away mm. his potato chips, making mm. him actually play Widow again could be a sick, could be a sick match. Um, Pine, Carpe, Saya he's always been consistent never super flashy and i don't think you can i don't i don't know if he'd be able to match the dominance maybe if i don't know i got a name for you that you could elaborate on who dm i think he's probably the weaker of the two latin brothers so Carpe and DM kind of, you know, like seize the day. I mm. think that's what that means in Latin. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. But, um, mm -hmm. I think he's probably the weaker of the two. Still very, very good. But DM... 
I'd have to go back and look. He very, 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 very good widow. I haven't seen enough of it to say that he can beat Happy. Happy is, to everybody's credit, you heard it from Hex. You're hearing it from Yiska. I'm saying it. He is scary. And I, you can go back and look at some of my articles. A lot of my my evaluation of Guangzhou was going to be if Happy could play. If Happy can play and he can play Widow and hit scan, he's going to really outperform people. We're starting to see that he can play. Well, he's he's not banned, so of course he can play, but he can also, you know, feasibly play Widowmaker on some control map. So Yeah, that's a that's a toughie. I don't know if if anybody is up to snuff. I, I'll give you three names, okay? Sure. These are your names. You 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 explain. <sighs> okay. So I don't think anyone will get close. Sure. If I had to name other people than the ones we mentioned, mm -hmm. my mind goes to architect. Mm. I think he doesn't have the most sick mechanics. I think he just big brains him. But he could just outmove him. Mm. Now, next comes a name that... And it's not the most outrageous name yet, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> in my mind, there's some something just burning in this kid that wants him to be the guy that imposes on you. Uh -huh. And I'm thinking about Striker. Now, this guy mm. is not seeing too much play. Sure. So what is he doing with his time? Is he preparing for a specific pick to be relevant? Mm. I think, yes, he wasn't He wasn't nowhere near the level um, that ha we expect Happy to have last season on Widow. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that he can't grind into it, right? Sure, sure, sure. So that in itself is interesting. You want to you want to hear my ayahuasca pick? Go for it, buddy. I I have a hunch, but I'll, I'll let you bury yourself. <clears throat> Taimu. I knew it. I knew you were gonna go back to that Lindy effect bullshit. <laughs> I think Taimu's good. Don't get me wrong. Taimu is very good. If I can take him at his peak. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I can get peak time, no. that would be a sick match. West versus yeah. East, two historic Widowmaker players. I can, I, I'd be able to sell that as a promoter every day, all day, right? Mm. Can is he gonna get there though? Yeah, you I mean, so? okay, logically, no. <laughs> like every, every everything that commonly you would assume of an Overwatch League player, if I didn't know, like if I was completely shut off from social media and I didn't know about Taimu, mm. then I would just say this guy is on his way out, right? Yeah. Sadly. Now, if you look into, in yes. Um, now, you, if you look into his, his career, he has comeback character. In his entire career, whenever he peaked, it was a comeback. That is... As he has been kicked from IDD QD. Mm -hmm. He um, wasn't playing well for a while when NB wasn't doing well. Last season was terrible. Then he had a couple of good matches where you could see the flashes. You have the story behind mental health issues, uh, panic attacks. That sort of resonates with me because I understand that there's a breaking point where it's it's actually can be a growth experience mm -hmm. and 
I also think that what we recently, I mean, if you want to check his word for it, of course, people can write a lot on Twitter, but if, if that all comes into effect, um, I still think if you go back, I, I, I did it recently. If you go back legitimately to Apex days and you look at Widow Taimu, it's still top level Widow's shit it that Pine magical. was pulling last season. Yeah, that is some, I, some magic to it. So, and you don't just yes. pull that out. That that is a characteristic. I think this is this is an article that I have kind of like very very rough, but kind of these magical performances that inspire you, not inspire specific faith, but kind of hint at some sort of trait, some sort of gene that that each of these players have that it isn't you know, it, you don't see in every other player. You don't see these these insane yeah. performances these pine level performances these fleta statistics these these taimu you know magic shows carpe for instance very similar architect kind of weirdly enough very slow build up but you take a genji player and you put him on widow and you don't expect that yeah and and he had he has that within him so it's not like he doesn't have the potential it's just mm. reaching that again i don't know yeah yeah, I, I mean, it would be absolutely nothing uh, consistent, <laughs> right? Like, I imagine it to be... The, the, I'm, I'm pretty convinced of the quality of uh, Dallas in general. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I think they should make playoffs... You think? Two to three times this season. Mm, okay. Um, and in these situations, I yes, I think if there's a widow made matter a you don't have a better performer pr probably on that team um like that's that's hilarious because you know that burning desire shit that i said about striker that should probably Good. also apply to effect sure but it's like <clears throat> don't know I, there's something still where i think just just like there's no other use than for time on this roster anyway other than you counting on a roadhog meta or you just sit this kid in Widow lobbies all day and just have him grind away, right? Mm -hmm. Like, otherwise, you're not going to play him. AKM has shown himself to be a very, very proficient Zarya. You won't play uh, him on Soldier Matters over no. AKM. Like, okay, so Tracer Matters is effect stuff. Like, what else are you going to keep time around if not that? Mm -hmm. But that, you could do that. Yes, and definitely. Then then you could have effect for the matches where you know Taimu is not going to pop off or whatever. And he will give you a consistently good performance. I, I believe he's capable of an, on Widow. Mm -hmm. um, it also suits his style. So, yeah, I think I think uh, Taimu can still be a peak player. And if you... Like, that, that is... That would be a nut serious to have, like, Guangzhou, let's say, in, in a quarterfinal or something. Um... What a way to make you know, a comeback! A, yeah, that like in general. Holy, yeah. giving me nerd chills just thinking about Taimu just coming off the bench, coming out of the mountains with that gray gray beard and just giving it to Happy. <laughs> that would be something. That would yeah. be something. Yeah, no, it's it's just it is an outrageous uh, proposition, but it's also something that has some empirical evidence. Yeah, I to support wouldn't say it it's from his career. Yeah, it's not logical, but I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, it would take a lot of effort, but I don't think it's unreasonable. I don't think it's that that crazy. Yeah. 
but happy as a monster waiting to uh to gobble up the overwatch league if we get a widow meta or, or just i don't i don't even think it's necessarily what i think it probably would just be a hit scan meta widow specifically probably would be his most dominant but i think you put him on a lot of different heroes hit scan wise i think McCree, yeah if there's a weird ash meta i have no idea i think he probably still Dude. pops off the problem is, as soon as I think McCree, I don't think Happy is as imposing as he was on Widow. Like, then my mind goes to Glister for some reason. Glister? Yeah, as like the best McCree. Hmm. I don't think I've ever seen Glister play McCree, and that's probably due to my ignorance, not necessarily him not playing. Dude, it's it's nuts. Like, they were playing, last season, they were playing, uh, playing it into Sombra, mm. and... He would like hear the Sombra behind him ult and like spin and flash. He spins and flashes, doesn't cancel the MP, but before the Sombra drops or hits the ground, she's dead because of two headshots. And you did that in one series like three or four times. It was hmm. nuts. Guess I'm gonna have to go hunting. That that is that that seems very impressive. That seems no. very, very impressive. Much yeah, no. you know. I, I think there are some some. I think McCree would be a, a tougher test for him, uh, but yeah, if there was a widow meta, it would be tough to mm. tough to hold a candle. Um, but yeah, we've gone on almost an hour and forty minutes. Um, you know, I'll, I'll let you kind of close the show. The last little bit is yours. Um, what's coming out? Where can people follow you? Um, anything? Uh, anything coming on the horizon? Uh, it's always like every second day, pretty much on uh, VP Esports um, articles. I'm currently working on some things, some observations about the general structure of um, all franchise leagues and what that means for players and what that means for certain um, positions, and specifically the uh, general manager. Mm -hmm. And then I have a second piece coming out: how negativity improved Overwatch League which is sort of like a little bit uh, perplexing, but yeah, I think there's merit to the argument. Interesting. Negativity meaning conflict? Meaning calling a spade a spade when someone is bad. <laughs> then that's actually positive for, for the entire experience. Fair enough, fair enough. And obviously under Yiska's face, you can see his Twitter handle. Definitely go follow him. Probably the most insightful... Probably most insightful Twitter on uh, unbiased Twitter account in I'm not even much esports. I'm not even tweeting that much at the moment though. Yeah, but you got some. Sometimes you got some feeling it right. Ones, though. Yes, I think that's that's when you're gonna get the peak Yiska experience when it's not forced and it's just like ah, I'll tweet today. I, I like this idea. This is my thought for today. You're gonna get some yeah. some gold ones out of him. So definitely go follow him. Uh, if you like my content and all that jazz, you know where to find me. Um, uh, thanks for thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, buddy. And uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time no we, uh, we we chit chat on on, on the podcast. But uh, uh, whatever episode this is, thanks for listening and thanks for watching. Uh, sm smash and dab that subscribe button, and we'll see. You